You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church family. I'm glad that I get to be with you this morning as we continue our Not Your Children's Bible series. Now, we created this series about four months ago. That feels like a lifetime ago now. Uh, and I remember we all sat around and we were like, you know, let's, um, let's do something easy. You know, let's do something a little bit more fun, uh, something that's a little bit more laid back for summer. Floyd was murdered and that changed everything. And I'm praying for the better. I'm praying that it does bring revolution an uprising, and I pray that it does bring jubilee like we talked about. And so we got back together and we said, do we, should we still do this series? I mean, should we still have this like lighthearted, you know, children's story series? And what we decided is that we wanted to cut it in half. We decided that there were some stories worth telling. In fact, some of the stories that we, we tell in this children's, or not your children's Bible series, um, have much to do with today, right? And so we're going to do that. We're going to continue to tell these stories. But so are these stories, like the one I'm about to tell you right now. It's the story of a man named Samson. The story of Samson is in all of our children's Bibles. It's one of the most popular ones. What do you know about Samson, everybody? Um, I know that he had long hair, and his long hair gave him power. I know that. I know that um, he slept with a woman named Delilah, and she was ultimately his downfall. But what else do we need to know about the story of Samson? Let's talk about it because actually I read it through a different lens now. Isn't it interesting that whatever is happening in the world kind of colors the way we read scripture, right? Yeah, that's happening to me right now for sure. So let's talk about it. And I want to read from the book of Judges. Judges 21, 25 says this. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Incredibly important. Why is this incredibly important? I'm going to tell you why it's incredibly important because right off the bat, we know that the story of Samson is a story of failure. The story of Samson is a story of failure. You know, one of the things I love about the Old Testament is the fact that the people of Israel, the people of Israel were willing to tell their stories of failure. They were willing to tell their stories of when they got it wrong. They were willing to tell the stories of when they weren't victorious, when they were defeated. We don't do that. In fact, no other nation that I know of does that. Israel does that. They're in our scripture for a reason. And I'm glad that we get this story of failure because what we get is a story of a man who is set apart, who is given power, and, is who, and who's asked to use that power to bring flourishing, right? And so what does Samson do with this power that he has? Well, let's talk a little bit about it. You see, Samson was born to barren parents, and uh, some angels come, and some angels say, hey, we're going to give you a child, and we're going to give you a child, but you got to do this. you got to make sure that this child lives under Nazarite law. What does that mean? It means three things. Number one, you cannot be around anything dead, anything, okay? Even an ant can't be around anything dead. You have to cut your, you don't cut your hair. You grow your hair out because that's where you're going to get your power. And then lastly, you cannot have any wine or anything made of grapes, so no jelly on your peanut butter and jelly sandwiches either. 
and you will be a powerful man. And you will use this power to bring, to bring flourishing to the people of Israel. So what happens? Well, right off the bat, right off the bat, Samson starts worshiping power. Samson starts worshiping his power. How does that happen? He goes to his parents and he says, I want to marry a Philistine woman. Now, the Philistines were enemies. And so right off the bat, what Samson is doing is he's saying, I am powerful enough. I'm strong enough. I, I believe in my own sense of power in such a way where I can marry an enemy and be just fine. In fact, I can subjugate my enemy this way. So he marries this Philistine woman. I do love that his parents tried to get him to stop. And they get him to stop by saying this. They say, isn't there a woman among your relatives? Why do you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? I know, culture and context, but can we stop talking about the biblical definition of marriage, please? Because they want us to marry our relatives. Anyway, Samson says, no, I want to marry this Philistine woman. And so in marrying this Philistine woman, uh, this enemy comes together with another enemy, and right off the bat, there's trouble. Samson says to uh, this woman, hey, I have a riddle to tell you, right? His wife says, what's this riddle? And so Samson tells her the riddle. She can't get it. In fact, she goes back to her Philistine family and says to her Philistine family, I have this riddle and I can't get it. And she goes back to Samson and says, hey, can you tell me, can you tell me the answer to the riddle? And Samson says, yeah, sure. Tells her the answer to the riddle. And she goes back and tells her Philistine family the answer to the riddle. Yes, we're talking about a riddle. So what happens next? Well, it's the same thing that happens every time someone gives away an answer to a riddle. Samson goes out and kills 30 people. Why does Samson go out and kill 30 people? Because that's what happens when we worship power. When we worship power, instead of using it for flourishing, what comes next is always going to be destruction and violence. Every time. And so in worshiping power, we see that from Samson. Samson's nowhere near done. Uh, Samson's dad is really upset about all this. So he sends Samson's wife away. He sends her away and he says, you need to go. Samson is so angry about this that he does what we all do when we're angry about things like this. He ties 300 foxtails together, sets them on fire, and lets them loose in the grain fields of the Philistines. Because when we worship power, violence and destruction are going to follow. That's the bottom line when we worship power. Story's not over yet. I mean, obviously, the Philistines are incredibly angry about this. They kill uh, Samson's wife. They kill Samson's father. And then a thousand men come after Samson. A thousand men. So what does Samson do? Well, in this next sequence, we get possibly the cheesiest action movie ever, okay? Because Samson picks up the jawbone of a donkey, and he picks it up. And with the jawbone of a donkey, Samson kills all 1,000 men. And this also gives us the cheesiest line in all of our Bible. By far the cheesiest line in all of our Bible, and it goes like this. Samson said, with the jawbone of an ass... I have made asses of them. Amazing, right? Has nothing to do with the message. I just wanted to tell you about that cheesy line. See, Samson, though, is set apart. He's set apart to use his power to bring flourishing and instead worships his power instead. And in worshiping power, destruction and violence are soon to follow. And that's exactly what happens to Samson. You see, Delilah comes and he sleeps with Delilah. He tells her the secret of his power. It comes in his hair. And so while he's sleeping one night, his hair gets cut off. He's captured by the Philistines. His eyes are gouged out and he lives in a dungeon under the palace until one day there's a party. I mean, a big party, really big party at the palace. 4,000 people at the party. In fact, black tie affair. Some people are even wearing monocles. You know, it's that kind of party, right? And they say, hey, can we bring Samson up? 
They're like, yeah, let's bring Samson up. But, but here's the thing. Samson's hair has been growing. He's gotten his power back. And so I want to read to you what happens next. What happens next is this. Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and his left on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. And the story's over. That's how this story ends. It ends with Samson dying and killing a bunch of people on the way out. There is no happy ending here. In fact, Samson's tribe, they're called the Danites. The Danites have no happy ending. They are invaded twice because of what Samson does. Then they, they themselves then invade a peaceful tribe, breaking all kinds of laws in doing that. And then in the book of Revelation, Samson's tribe, the Danites, are left out of God's promise. Because when we worship power, the only things that follow are death and destruction. You see, this story, this story is a cautionary tale. It's a cautionary tale for those who use their power for division and selfish gain, right? And what Israel recognizes is that if Israel wants a new world, they have to tell the truth about what's going on in their current world. And in their current world, they tell us exactly what's going on. We worship power. We were lawless. We were disobedient. And we failed in that. Death and destruction followed. If we want to create a new world, then we have to be willing to tell the truth about our world right now. What does that mean for us? That in our history books, even though America is a nation that absolutely worships power. Now let's talk about what else this American nation does that worships power. We've created a program. It's called the 1033 program. We created it in 1997. And what we said was, wow, we are making so much money, a half a trillion dollars actually, on giving weapons to other countries and training other people. Why don't we give military-grade weapons to our police departments so that they can use them on their own people? Let's do that. 1033 program started in 1997. In 2017, there was a bill to end that program. And uh, it was vetoed. And it was vetoed by our president, who absolutely, 100%, worships power. And when you worship power, the only things that are going to follow are destruction and violence. That's the bottom line. And so when you worship power and you have all these military-grade weapons and you're giving them to your own people to use against their own people, what you have to do is you have to create an enemy, a domestic enemy, right? That has to be created. And so, and so what was decided by this American nation some 400 years ago is that we would create a domestic enemy, and, and the domestic enemy would be uh, our African-American siblings, right? And so what they said was, okay, we're going to create a system that does not benefit our black siblings at all. But we expect you to follow this system that does not benefit our black siblings at all. And if you do not follow the system that does not benefit our black siblings at all, we are going to use our military-grade weapons against you. We are going to use our force against you. And so, yes, you must stay within a system that does not work for you. And by breaking the law moving against this system, we are going to, to the same way we drop bombs on others, we're going to do it to you. That is what we've done. We've done that. That's what happens when we worship power. When we as a nation worship power, what ends up happening is we create enemies where there are none. We kill our own people. 
We ask our people to, to stay in a place of unjust systems, and we ask our people to follow unjust laws, and then when we react to that, we use that military great power to wipe people out. We worship power, and we need to tell the truth about the fact that we worship power. Now, this nation, our nation that worships power, we call ourselves a Christian nation. We call ourselves a Christian nation. And so as a Christian nation, a nation that worships power and is unwilling to tell the truth, this is what we do. We take a story of Samson, a story of failure, a story of defeat, a story of destruction and violence for people who worship power, and we make Samson a hero. We put Samson in our children's Bible as a man that we should all look like and look after because that's what a Christian man looks like. We have gotten it wrong because we are unable to tell the truth about the fact that we worship power. If we want to build a new world, we got to tell the truth about our failures and about our defeats and about who we really are. We have twisted the story of Samson. We have messed that story up. We've taken a cautionary tale and we've made it a hero story. We need to repent. There's some repenting that has to happen. We want a new world. We want restorative justice. Yeah, we want restorative justice. I love the fact that whenever God gets what God wants, it's always restorative. God doesn't punish. God restores. God shows us that through Jesus Christ. I love it. Um, you know, through Jesus Christ, we get a, a story of the Samaritan woman at the, at the well. And I love the story of that woman um, because most of us think it's a story of like, oh, Jesus converted her to be a Christian and now she is going to go to heaven. No, it has nothing to do with that. What Jesus is doing is telling the truth about his own nation. He's saying, my nation has created an enemy out of the Samarians. We've created that enemy. We have treated you as less than and what I'm doing is I'm restoring us. I'm restoring us back to a place of equity and flourishing. That's how I use my power. What Jesus is doing is telling the truth about the shortcomings of his nation in order to bring flourishing that God intends in the first place. We can tell a new story through restorative justice, just like Jesus Christ. And how do we tell this new story? Well, we got to get excited about the new story because the truth of the matter is the book of Isaiah says that whenever a new story is getting ready to be told, we will feel the earth shaking, the divine. The divine will shake the ground on which we walk. And the divine is shaking the ground on which we walk right now to bring flourishing where there is none, to abolish systems that have broken and hurt people. The ground is shaking. The divine is doing it. But we got to tell our stories of failure first. If we want to tell new stories and create a new world, we got to tell the truth about what's going on now. And the truth is we have a lot to repent for. And so I want us to educate ourselves on these stories. Uh, and white people, I'm going to talk to us for one second. And I'm going to say this. As we learn these stories, as we educate ourselves on these stories, as we tell these stories we don't need to involve our siblings of color. To ask our siblings of color to educate, to tell these stories for us, is to ask our siblings of color to relive trauma. It puts, it's, it, asks, it puts them in a position where they have to relive pain. It puts our, our, our siblings in a position uh, where, where they are absolutely uncomfortable and adjacent to a majority culture that has never fit our siblings in the first place. Do not do that. White folks, Google is our friend. We can Google we can educate. We can learn the truth of these stories. And then maybe we don't need to center ourselves around them. And I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that, centering my story around, uh, you know, my story about telling the truth, right? We don't need to center ourselves in this story. 
Let's center our siblings of color. Let's lift them up and make sure that we're telling stories to one another so that our siblings of color are no longer a made-up domestic enemy so that our corrupt and broken system can kill its own people. I also want to make sure we're telling the right kinds of stories. I was talking to a friend not too long ago, and uh, this is what he said to me. He said, my people only know the stories of us in chains. We need to tell the stories that started before 1619. We need to tell stories of deep beauty and divine power and culture. Divine power being power that brings flourishing. Those are the stories that need to be told. These are the stories that we are here for. These are the ones that I want in our children's Bible. This is the story that we get when the divine is shaking the ground. When that is happening, you know what stories we get? We get the story of the writers of the Gospel of Mark who are African. We get that story, right? Gospel of Mark is the gospel, in my opinion. That's the story that we get Right? When we tell the stories that belong in our children's Bible, we get the Church of Antioch, we get Simon of Cyrene, both African churches that absolutely establish Christianity as a cornerstone in our society. Right? That's what we get. When we talk about Pentecost, the beginning of Christianity, we need to know that countless African churches were there. That's the story that needs to be told. When we get the story of, of the first radical inclusion and conversion, it's the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, right? That is the story that needs to be told. When we get the story of what God, uh, what God looks, um, when God looks at perfection, and when God looks at divine beauty, uh, as, as God talks about it in Genesis, God's talking about the land of Cush, which is modern-day Ethiopia. Ethiopia. That is the story that needs to be told. Moses married a Cushite woman. And when people got down on Moses for doing it, God shows up in the book of Numbers and tells them to shut up. Seriously, you can look it up. Those are the stories that need to be told. We need to tell the stories of restorative justice. And tell them through the lens of the people of color who inhabit and who live and, and are living and breathing in our scripture. And here's the beauty of it. The beauty of it is this. They all come through Jesus Christ, who was not a white person, right? These are the stories that we have to tell. But first, we got to tell the truth. First, we got to tell the truth about the fact that we worship power. The divine is shaking the ground. It's time to move. It's time to get to work. It's time to build a new world. And in building a new world, we got to tell the truth about what's broken in our current world. So as we tell these stories, as we do that, here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm going to ask us to imagine a new story. I'm going to ask us to imagine a story where law enforcement looks nothing like military-grade weapons and looks nothing like defense-first tactics. I'm going to tell a story about how we create an infrastructure that supports our schools instead of our prisons. And I want to tell a story about how we, we abolish parts of the police system and defund other parts of the system in order to create a system that works for all people, not just some people. And by the way, right now, our virtual greeters are going to post links about abolishing and defunding police. Okay, I want to make sure you have clarity on that and go ahead and read that. And we'll talk more about that for sure. And we can continue to tell stories about involving our policymakers and our local leaders in our government. In fact, another link is being dropped, and it's a simple link. It's signing a petition asking our governors to step up and reform, defund, and abolish parts of the police department. It's a simple thing to do. Encourage, bring community to them. And I pray that we would continue to bring Jubilee, that we would continue 
to be a part of a revolution, that we would continue to tell the truth and tell the truth loudly so that your kingdom comes to this place. I pray this all in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.